0: watching the door of the house. That's on my heart today. Let's open again with prayer. Lord, we want to very soberly think of the words that you have for us today. Father, we pray that you would burn it into our hearts. Father, help us, protect us from hard-heartedness. Father, protect us from being deceived by our own flesh, our own lust, and having itching ears to those that justify any kind of fleshly rain in our lives. Father, open up our hearts. Give us a spirit of humility to listen to our brothers. that Give us warnings because we're all so close and we can't all be so close once we open that door. And it takes us down a route that we do not want to go. Father, we pray that you would speak to us. And we thank you so much for your faithfulness and for the words that we've heard. And thank you for everything that you've given this past week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a very eventful, heavy, heart-wrenching week. For some more than others. The news of Andrew's sudden tragic and passing left us a numbing um, anguish feeling that will stay with us for a while yet. Especially for Jenna and I want you to pray for her when you in the coming months. Lift her up to the Lord. Like many of the brothers shared at the funeral, will his passing not be in vain? What does that mean? May his passing not be in vain. This means, may we reflect with earnestness about his passing and what brought him to that. The things that contributed. And we don't know we don't know everything. It's some, some details are very big. What brought the man to this? Um, we have to go back all the way to his childhood and that is very big for us because he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, raised amongst us and we can only speculate that it was sometimes tumultuous, but we'll leave that where it is. We'll leave it there. Today we will not dwell in what we could have done different about Andrew. His life has passed and we will inevitably mentally continue to dwell and reflect on what our personal and church role is and was for such a hurting soul. I myself refuse to condemn anything that brings a condemning spirit to anyone in our churches And in our midst. I will say though. That let us please look deep within our own hearts. And let us all meditate with all soberness. What our role is for existing. Here and now. Existing hurting souls. Around us right now. And this is why we live so close to each other. We of all the people should appreciate this. But I want to remind you that these people are right here. And sometimes it's me that's hurting and needs to be uplifted. Sometimes it's you. And sometimes that hurt left to itself goes deeper and deeper and left unchecked, it can have a dire end and have or have a dire consequence on one's children. What has been on my heart since the news is at the very least that this week should make us fear. A holy fear, a godly and holy reference of our fragility. A holy fear of God that all of us are capable of committing the vilest of sins and ending in the vilest of deaths. A holy fear that the grace of God cannot be taken advantage of and a holy fear of opening the door for Satan to enter and plant the seed. And not only to plant the seed. But God forbid that that seed should be allowed to be nurtured. And start growing and planting more seed. That is the message on my heart today. That we do not open the door of our hearts or house to the enemy. Our flesh is the first enemy the devil uses. Um, and I'm going to speak about our own hearts and I'm going to also take the liberty to be practical and speak about our physical houses and what we allow into them. It's connected. What we allow into our hearts, we inevitably also open the door physically to things to enter into our house. And that's how it affects our children and our children's children. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira his wife sold the possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Ananias, while it remained in your possession, while this land remained in your possession, was it not thine own to do with it as you pleased? Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thy own money that you sold for such an amount? Why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart, that you will sell this land and give a portion of it and say, this is the land, this is everything, but you keep back a portion of it? Why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. In verse 5, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, and he gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And this is the fear that I'm speaking about. They were in awe. If the Holy Spirit, if God struck down this man for such A seemingly trivial thing. I better watch out myself. And they all turned to the mirror and looked at themselves. And a great fear came upon them. This is the fear that they had. That fear. They examined themselves. And this is good. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him, in verse 6. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered her and said, and asked her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much, and gave all that to, to us, the church. And she said, Yeah, for so much, lying again like her husband did. And Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have both agreed to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell straightway to his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And a young man came in, found her dead, carrying her forward, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, it says again, and upon as many as heard these things. The Bible says a great fear came upon all the church. This fear was on how easy it was to fall into such a sin. Here was a couple that the church knew well. They were generous. They were well-meaning. They wanted to be part of the giving. They wanted to be part of the movement. It was such a small thing. They just wanted to keep a small portion for themselves. Such a small thing. Isn't it always just a small thing? That's where the seed is planted. It starts with something small and it grows into something bigger. Brethren, I pray that a great fear will come upon our hearts. This great fear that all of us Conf- and have a certain end. Oh, it wouldn't happen to me. This is, uh, it started long. We have excuses, but brethren, it is all the same. We can go to a ripe old age and still lose salvation and just be lukewarm because we allow these little things, little things, this little thing. But it's still the same end. We end up in hell because we allow these little things to reign in us. And I'm preaching to myself too here on these things. The Holy Spirit in us is not going to abide in our being beings with small acts of sin. Without repentance and reconciliation, that small thing is going to turn into a slippery ball on a slippery slope that we can no longer control by ourselves. We can try to hide it but we have no inner peace. These verses are put there for us as an example. Ananias and Sapphira did not die in vain. This is what this means. They were given as a lesson and example. Yes, at their cost, but they afflicted that upon themselves. But the church, the whole church learned from that example. They did not die in vain. The whole church was brought on their knees. God dealt severely with this couple. The church recognized the vulnerability of their own soul. So should we. So so should it be with us. With Andrew's passing. This could be me. This could be my neighbor. These thoughts bring soberness and a holy fear into our lives. Hebrews 3.12 Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Brethren, we hear so many every week, every week. I We hear so many things. These are exhortations. They're good. And many of us go home feeling grieved, and some of us cleanse our hearts. We repent, we bring it to the Lord, we, we bring it under the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, it's there for us, and we do it no more. This is what it's there for. This is why we're up here, to exhort, to keep exhorting, because we're humans. But brethren, if we don't do anything about it, then our hearts will be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of what? Of sin. Sin is deceitful and sin can harden. You see, brethren, sin has the potential not only to separate us from God and the Holy Spirit, it will also deceive us in thinking we are right when we are absolutely wrong. It will deceive us to the point that we will start saying deceiving words to others and lead other people astray because we are given over to deceiving and seducing spirits that adapt to the doctrines of the devils. This is written in First Timothy 4.1. Now the spirit speaking expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is what happens when we hear the word and we don't do nothing about it. It has a searing effect on our hearts, a callousness. Verse 13 also says that we will become hardened by sin. We will be hard to change. Sin turns our deceit into stubbornness and we will slip further into sin. This is why we should come together often to keep reminding us on the deceitfulness of sin and keep reminding our brethren to encourage and exhort and with the spirit of humility, listen to our brothers. A person hearing these exhortations and being convicted that doesn't heed and repent brings more deceit and more and more hard headedness. I heard this story from Mark Carrier once, and he said in Africa, he, had, he went to a different neighboring um, group a few, uh, three hours away with his youth group, and his neighboring preacher that he knew well, but he hadn't seen him for a while, he had, uh, he had meetings. So he went to, for an opportunity for his young people to hear other, other folks preach, and he sat down and he, had a, he was supposed to preach to, Margos, So he sat in the back and listened to the main preacher. And this is a friend he knew well, but he hadn't seen him for, for a while. He hadn't spent a lot of time with him for a while. And he sat back and for the most of the message, it was pretty good. But then he said a few, one or two or three things that were totally wrong. He was shocked. Why is he saying these things? How can he see them? And there are young people here, my young people in my church that I represent, are listening to these things. He was respectful, and he waited. And when there was a break, he took that brother aside, took him back into the woods, and he said, Brother, what is going on? You, you spoke about one, two, and three things that are absolutely wrong from the Scripture. What changed? What's going on with you? Is there something that happened in your life? And his face fell and he said, I, I, uh, I'm ashamed to tell you this. I haven't shared with anyone, but I fell into adultery with a few girls in my congregation, a few women. And I've tried to keep it under cover, but it's not going away. And, and, and Mark told him that you've given over to deceitful spirits. That you've, your heart is becoming hardened and you're trying you're slowly changing. And he repented before the brother and he confessed his sin, and said he was able to hear sound counsel again because of his repentance. And this is my point in that story is, sin brings deceit. Brother, none of us are immune to this. Sin will predictably take us down this road. Without arrest, it will lead to death. The arresting part, arresting a brother, arresting a situation, means to take hold of it, to shake it up, and to say, hey, what is going on? Brother, I see something in you, or sister, this is wrong. That is arresting. This arresting is the responsibility of the church. When I say church, I don't mean elders. I mean brothers in the church, sisters in the church that have that are walking with the Lord. They have the discernment to arrest situations, to arrest the brethren that they see and discern are going astray. If we discern a struggling member... We that are strong ought to reach out and help and encourage. More than likely, there is a struggling. There is struggling and infirmity that needs to be either confessed, prayed over, or encouraged. Confessed, prayed over, and encouraged. It's simple. It's simple. Jude one twenty, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Here's another exhortation. How are we to help people by pulling them out of the fire if our own garment is tainted with unrepentant sin? Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This really spoke powerfully to me. Keep yourself in the love of God. This means to walk in obedience, to walk in holiness. If you stumble, get up right away and keep walking so you can be available to help those that need it. If your brother points something out in your life, take heed. This warning is from God. Not too long ago, I was—I had video night with my children, and I always—I am always there with on nights like that. I, I don't want to watch; have them watch something that I don't have them previewed or whatever. And I was watching something, and I wasn't quite—I I wasn't comfortable with. But I didn't say anything. I just—I just let it be. I was a little bit callous to it already. And a brother walks in, and he—his child was there, and he picked him up, and he saw. What, what is that? What are you watching? Yeah, this. And I was struck immediately in my heart. Yeah, you're right. I—I I don't know what why I'm allowing this. And I switched it off immediately, and we went to something, something a lot better and safer. And, and I was ashamed, and I'm just telling this, that my own vulnerability, that we need to hear, we need to take heed to our brethren, we need to have a spirit of humility about ourselves, that all of us need it, all of us need each other. Um, Sin is deceitful, it slips into our door unawares, left unchecked, it opens the door further. Left unchecked, it opens the door even further. Sadly, it will eventually open a door to our children's doors. And this is what's sad, and this is what brings the fear in me. Most sin comes from these things, and this is not exhaustive. I just, you could probably add a few more, and I want you to, if um, you think of something that I missed here. Uh, most sin comes from our minds by not taking our thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. Um, next is through our eyes by seeing and providing and giving into provisions of lust through our eyes. Sin comes through our eyes by seeing and providing and giving into and providing provisions of lust. And also through our eyes by seeing and providing provisions of covetousness and jealousy from outbursts of frustration caused by an angry spirit from a bitter heart that refuses to forgive from a lying tongue from a thieving hand, from abusing alcohol, drugs, and the like, from selfishness, from being a troublemaker in other people's business, from causing divisions among people, and the list goes on. But I just thought of these main things. In James 1, chapter, uh, James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Every man, when he is tempted, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. This quote might be an old cliche, but it's still true. Sin may be fun for a while, but there is a price to pay. Sin takes you further than you intended to go. Sin keeps you longer than you intended to stay. Sin costs you more than you intended to pay. When you are tempted, don't blame God. Take responsibility. The responsibility of watching the door to our hearts, dear Christian, is primarily ourselves. We cannot stand before God and blame our neighbor for giving in to our fleshly enticements. But we're here to help you. I will say, and I will say with earnestness, that we fathers are responsible to watch the physical door to our homes and stand guard our threshold against these four main points. And when I say we fathers in the threshold, I mean if these children are inside, you under your roof, you are responsible for them, and I don't care how old they are. If they're, while they're under your roof, that is why I am so strong with if they get married, they have their own threshold. But while they are still under your roof, they haven't, they haven't married, they haven't started their own family, they need to be under your submission. And when I mean under submission, I mean that whatever everything that you say goes and that you have your nose in their rooms as well. Not only their rooms, and I'll get into this here. We fathers are responsible to watch the physical door to our homes and stand guard our threshold against these four main points. And I don't bring out mother because fathers, it is your responsibility. The mother is there. She has an important role. But fathers, you are the gatekeepers. Dads, you are responsible for the vacuums of love. Vacuums. A vacuum is the absence of. You are responsible for the vacuums of love and attention from our children, meaning we are the primary sources of attention and love in our homes. Moms are responsible too, but this comes more natural for them. We don't really have to say that. We we we, are, we do say it, but it comes more natural than usually. The mom is there providing that love and nurture, but usually it's a dad that doesn't. If we don't provide this basic source of human affection our spouse, to our spouse and our children, they will find it elsewhere. This is basic, but sadly often missing from our homes. If we don't have our children's hearts, we have failed in the most fundamental of Christian callings, May the Lord help us. How can we go outside of our home? How can we even go outside of church if we have missed this most fundamental thing, to have our children's hearts? <coughs> Point two, fathers, mothers, pass the torch of faith onto your children. I do not mean only being born again, though I cannot belittle that. I have deeply meditated lately that if a young people that if young people not see a specific church life directive from us, they will hardly pick one up from the elders, from the teachers. In other words, when we hold strong the doctrines of a biblical church, our young people will too, especially if we have heart, their hearts, and that comes first. I could repeat this again. It, it's, uh, we should have messages on this. That our children will receive whatever they receive from church life and what a church ought to be, they receive from their parents and their parents' example and how that they live it out in the church. Point three, media consumption. We parents are responsible if our young people are struggling or abusing endless games, social media, lost sites, and making inordinate relationships on social media. Fathers, explain the dangers and delete your sons and daughters' Facebook and Instagram accounts. Spend time and discuss healthy relationships And who they are texting with throughout the week, especially if they are prone to this, especially with friendships outside of trusted churches. If you, godly fathers, cannot do these simple God given responsibilities, how can we move on as a church and help others without the church? It is the church's last-ditch effort for elders to cross the threshold of your home and take control of these things. Nobody wants to do it, and it is not the elder's primary responsibility. It's a last-ditch effort for them to try to save. It is the parent's responsibility. And I'm not saying you can't reach out and ask for help. That's absolutely what you need to do if you need help. But arrest a situation. If you can't do it, ask for help. Don't let it go. We are losing our young people, brethren. About these things. And I weep over it. It is not my job to raise your children. It's your job, parents. It is your job for them to get a vision for the church. That's not my job. Don't blame the elders if your children don't have a vision. It's because you don't have one. The last point is friendships. Parents are tremendously influential in providing direction with friends in their tender, growing years, where wrong friendships can be detrimental to their future. Yes, even inside community, where some children make harmful clicks, and some have bad patterns, we need to discern and direct them. Don't let your children go just because they're in community. Forget the times with uh, the with with the and the teachers raise your kids. We have lost a generation through that mentality. There are many more points, but I will leave you with these four, brethren. I strongly urge you to heed these warnings and to keep warning each other. Keep warning me. I definitely need these warnings from you too. In closing, dear brethren, let us discipline our minds and bodies and be faithful in the things we know to do. If you need help, reach out to your brother and sister for help, That's that's what we're here for. Make yourself accountable. Sin is deceitful and it's wicked. It will not only take us down, but it will try to take others and our families with it. Amen.